Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to today's Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Webinar. I'm Jared Correa, and I'm one of the practice management consultants at Massachusetts LOMAP, where we provide law practice management consulting services to Massachusetts attorneys. Now, either you've tuned in live or you're listening to our archived podcast via Legal Talk Network. Regardless of how you're listening, where, or what else you're doing, we're happy to have you here. Today, uh, we've got Joshua Lennon from Clio, who's a lawyer in residence over there. I'm not sure if that means he lives at the offices or not. He may. He'll tell you that. And he's going to talk about the dollars and cents of legal marketing, which is going to be, I believe, an analytics-focused, return-on-investment-focused presentation on how you market yourself as a lawyer. Now, you're all muted. So questions come in through the chat, ask those, and we will uh, get those to uh, Joshua as we see fit or at the end of the presentation. So I'm going to hand it over to Joshua for a further introduction and let him give his fine presentation. Thank you all for coming. Thanks, Jared. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dollar and Cents of Legal Marketing. I want to thank uh, Massachusetts Loma and its partners for putting on the lunch hour legal marketing presentation and inviting me to speak with you. Uh, you'll probably want to know a little bit about me. Uh, first of all, I am a lawyer. I'm admitted in New York, and I am licensed to practice law in New York. But I now live and work in Vancouver, Canada, working for a company called Clio. I am their lawyer in residence, and it's a, a unique role that's only really starting to be explored by other legal technology companies now, where I am kind of given both the freedom and license to explore topics that are of interest to lawyers. Uh, and make sure that I am keeping our company aware of our customers' needs and interests and growing opportunities. So I do have a social media poison of choice. So you can find me on at Joshua Lennon uh, on Twitter. And whenever I come to Boston, I'm a big fan of lobster rolls. So one of the things you should be typing into your question box is recommendations on where I can get a good lobster roll the next time I'm in town. I also want to thank Jared for not telling me that there's a video chat function as a part of this presentation. Uh, and so that's why I am not wearing the nice shirt that you see in the picture in front of you and instead dress for casual Friday. That's but a nice shirt. That, think, <laughs> thank you. Other than that, I think we're going to get along great. And I look forward to your recommendations on lobster rolls. What I want to focus on today are three particular things. First of all, what are the suggested marketing costs for lawyers? I'm going to take a look at some numbers and show you where they come from and kind of break down why they're important. Then we're going to take a look at calculating return of investment on those numbers. So that's ROI. I'll use that phrase a lot. And then lastly, we'll focus on some tools to measure ROI. And one tool I'm going to recommend is actually something that you've got right now. It's pen and paper or a notepad on your computer screen that will actually really help you keep track of ROI if you organize it in the way I'm going to show you. And then we'll focus on some other tools that will calculate ROI automatically for you. And with that and the agenda in place, let's jump into the first topic. What are suggested marketing costs for law firms? Well, 
First of all, let's clear this out of the way. The only thing more expensive than hiring a lawyer is advertising as one. When we took a look at the cost of winning new business, we see that it's changing and it's changing considerably quickly. So this is a survey that was done by LexisNexis and their law firms and business development transition report, where they looked at the business and development and marketing professionals for a variety of law firms, all the way at uh, solo and small boutique firms up to big law. And these are the responses that they came back with, and we'll refer to this report a couple times. First of all, it's getting more and more difficult to win new business. If you take a look, uh, close to 80, almost 90% of the participants in this survey either agreed or strongly agreed that it's getting more difficult and that you have to be on top of more and more different things in order to win new business as a law firm. And that change has not been a cheap one. If we take a look at the of TV advertising, and the blue is legal, the red is non-legal TV advertising. We see that even in the midst of the 2008 financial recession, uh, the cost of legal advertising just keeps going up, right? Even when it drops overall, it's still higher in cost than that of non-legal advertising. Uh, and this is important because that means if you're spending your money, it's going to be really difficult to make an impact in this type of advertising and maybe some others because you're just going to be outspent. Uh, and so it's very important to know not only what you're spending, but the value you're achieving from that spending. That's the ROI we're going to be talking about. Let's take a look at how expensive law marketing can be. Um, in the trial lawyer marketing report, which was put out by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, they took a look specifically at trial lawyer marketing, um, most of which focused on, say, like personal injury. Um, but when they looked at TV and spending as part of this survey, they found that some firms are just spending crazy amounts. There was a projected $892 million spent on legal advertising in 2015, with a handful of law firms really just dominating that. You can see... Aiken Myers spending close to $25 million to dominate trial lawyer marketing ads. And the report goes on and on on the markets that they went after, the times of day that they were going after based on the demographic of the people they were looking at. This is a science. Uh, and these people have figured out they can spend a lot of money in order to make even more money. What I found very interesting about this particular graph is there are two, uh, two entries on here that aren't law firms at all. We see right in the middle, I don't know if people can see my mouse. Jerry, can people see my mouse? I think he's muted. So if we yes, take a yes, look at, Sorry. oh, okay, perfect, yeah. which is about I four down. So I'm, I'm trying to highlight it with my mouse, everyone. Uh, you see that they're spending close to $13 million a year in legal advertising. And Avo, way down here at three up from the bottom, is spending close to $11 million in legal advertising. And they're advertising for things that are somewhat different than you see a lot of the other firms on here advertise. So they're looking at business incorporation. They're looking at, pardon me, um, they're looking at consumer level law, like maybe your family law type matters. So we're looking at completely different practice areas when you start throwing these people in, and they are spending a ton of money. Now, where does that money go? It goes to AdVise on TV, but they're also throwing a lot of money into online advertising as well. 
if we take a look at the top 100 Google keywords by sector, all right, this is a group called Web Page FX, an online marketing firm. They contributed information to the trial lawyer marketing study. Um, they found that search terms tied to legal issues compromised nine out of the top 10 and 23 out of the top 25 most expensive Google keyword search terms. So when you pop onto Google and you do your search, right, these are search terms. Uh, nine out of 10 of the most expensive ones of those were legal. And what I actually find pretty interesting is what they categorize as legal, I think, applies to this entire chart. Um, so while Troyer Lawyer Marketing, or while legal may be 78%, I think water damage is gonna involve legal queries at a point. Same with insurance, definitely same with drugs and alcohol, uh, and even business services down at the bottom. You're gonna be pulling legal into those search terms in just a little bit. And in fact, um, when you expand their study out, 78 out of the top 100 Google key search terms are legal related queries. And I'm gonna show you some of those and show you how expensive they can be. So this is from that same study. These are the top 10 um, most expensive terms that were searched between January 1 and January, um, June 30th of 2015. And if you take a look, um, all but one were really focused on, I need a lawyer. So San Antonio car wreck attorney at the very top, all the way down to West Palm Beach criminal lawyer at the bottom. Every time this ad popped up on the screen and somebody clicked at it, it cost the advertising law firm hundreds of dollars. Pretty much the only one uh, that isn't necessarily a lawyer seeking query is the Austin Drug Rehab up three from the bottom. Uh, where that only cost whoever the rehab advertising firm was $463 per click. So it's very expensive to advertise online as a lawyer. And quite frankly, it can get to crazy sums. So another different marketing agency called AdGuru, and they spelled it really weird, you can sit down at the bottom, uh, took a look at the most expensive legal terms by spend uh, and cost per click. And here's what they found. Quite frankly, um, if you're looking at structured settlements or asbestos or mesothelioma, you're gonna be advertising a lot online and you're going to be paying a lot online. So if we take a look at mesothelioma attorneys, Texas, the cost per click in the time period for their study, which was 2014, the numbers have only gone up. Uh, you're paying $320 $20 for somebody to click on the ad itself. That's not having them sign up as a client. That's just, oh, that ad seems kind of interesting. Let me sign up to it. And over the course of 2014, there were um, 3,000 people who were interested in it. There was a 4% click-through rate, all right? So you're looking at about 120 people clicked through on that. Um, and that ended up costing the agencies, the law firms that bid on that keyword, $47,000. So I know a lot of you are looking at your marketing budgets right now and being like, I cannot compete. Uh, and that's fine. We're going to touch on that in a second. But I want to keep pointing out that there's vast sums of money being thrown at the problem of legal marketing. And it's only getting higher. If you look at mesothelioma claim, like right in the middle, uh, we had 10 advertising agencies or 10 advertisers. So law firms, for example, uh, who advertised uh, and spent up to $180,000. If 
And if you look at structured settlements uh, down at the bottom here, they spent close to $500,000. And what's interesting is this seems like a lot of money, but if you get one of these cases, you actually end up making a lot of money. So in the case of mesothelioma uh, keywords, the attorneys set really high bids because if you get one of these cases, the average settlement is between $1 million to $1.4 million, right? Uh, and these can be paid by multiple defendants, so you're pretty much guaranteed to have some type of recovery along the way. So yeah, you may have spent $179,000 to get that one client, but that one client is worth $1.4 million. So if we look at the trade-off, we've had more people uh, spending a greater sum of money on lottery tickets just recently, um, and they didn't get anything. This is not necessarily a sure thing, but your odds are a lot better. And um, it's actually minuscule in terms of the amount that other businesses are spending on their marketing. So the previous chart was taking a look at top legal spend, right? Now we're gonna take a look at top spend overall. And if you are a free credit report company, and obviously they're not giving it away for free, uh, they spent $46 million on getting people to come through. And they only had that 3% click-through rate, right? So they're spending a lot of money and they're really trying to figure out how to make money off of it. And if they can spend that much and do it, lawyers can spend a lot less and still have a comfortable lifestyle. So now I'm gonna get into how much should you be spending? Because we see that it's very easy to spend a lot and we see that a lot of other companies are spending a lot. The question is how much of your money should you be spending? And this is the rule of thumb. Law firms should spend between two to 5% of their annual revenue on marketing and business development. This is a number that was extrapolated from successful law firms by Ed Pohl. He's a consultant and owner of uh, the website lawbiz.com. And what he found is firms that spend two to 5% of their annual revenue on marketing and business development are growing firms, spending less than that doesn't necessarily mean you're not growing, but it definitely means that you're setting yourself up for a potential lag in business at some point in the future. So this is what he recommended. Now, most businesses that are not legal will spend 10 to 11% of their annual revenues on marketing and business development. So it's still relatively cash less to be a lawyer and have a growing business. You're only spending two to five, Normal business spending like seven to ten or ten to eleven, so we're getting by with spending half our revenue and still being able to grow as a business. So law is a good place to be from a numbers point of view for that. But you are going to see that this two to five percent will vary based on geography, based on your firm size, well, based on the goals that you want. If you really need to grow fast in a year, you'll have to spend more money. Uh, practice areas will also have different rates of growth. One of the examples that was given in an article I read this research for this found that most contingency fee-based law firms will spend at least 10% of their annual revenue on marketing and business development because that's what it takes to get those cases in the door. So we've got a rule of thumb though, you should block out two to 5% of your annual revenue for marketing and business development. Now, are firms spending this? Yes. What we see from the law firm and business development transition report that I mentioned before, we see that 32% of law firms are in that two to 5% range. And that's pretty nice. Um, but there's something that's a little troubling and that's 46% of law firms 
don't know the exact percentage of their budget that they're spending on marketing. And that's really troublesome because it's expensive to advertise and to not know uh, if you're on target, and if you're within budget, can be setting your firm up for failure. So here's what I want you guys to do leaving this uh, webinar and planning your year. I want you to do some math. Yes, there's math. So Dustin Rudge in the article, How Much Should My Law Firm Spend on Marketing, gave us this formula. Your desired annual budget or billings times 3.7% will equal your annual marketing budget. So you need to come up with your desired annual billings and then multiply it by 3.7%. Now, where did that 3.7% come from? Well, there was a, uh, there is a biannual study put out by the firm Allen Weiss and Associates that looks at the effectiveness of legal spend. We'll come back to this report a couple times too. And they found that on average, uh, successful law firms are spending about 3.4% of their annual billings on marketing and business development. 3.7 comes from the fact that this is a biannual report, so it's run like every two years. Uh, and the difference between the 2015 report and the 20, 2014, sorry, and the 2012 report was a change of about 20%. So what Dustin did is he had that 10%, added that to the 3.4%, and it comes out to 3.7%. Um, now, again, this will need to be adjusted based on your particular circumstances, but it's a good number to start keeping in mind and budgeting as a part of your marketing spend. Now, if we take a look, the uh, uh, average law, solo lawyer, the average single lawyer will bill at or around about 400000 to 500000 annually when they have a lot of business coming through the door. So if you put those numbers into this math, you'll see that you're going to spend about 15000 per attorney per year on marketing. You need to get comfortable with that um, because that's what it's going to take to keep placing yourself in that growing business category so you don't have lagging market. Now, because this is a lot of money, 15000 is a lot for me. It would go a long way towards my student loans. That's why I need to be really good at calculating a return on investment or an ROI. So, ROI is basically how much money do I spend and how much money do I make out of that, but there is math involved. We're going to focus on that. We do know that firms are tracking metrics, um, but they're probably not necessarily tracking the most important metrics for their business goals. If we take a look at the law firms and business transition report, uh, wins and losses were tracked across almost every law firm, 78%, but the ROI on their lead source down here towards the bottom was only 35%, and less than half knew the lead source and the number of leads they still had in the pipeline. So they were focused on the work at hand and not necessarily knowing what future work and future business would be coming through the door. And doing that is what leads you to that lagging moment of, I won the case, yay, now I have a client. If you're setting yourself up like that, you need to change your activities and invest in a marketing and business development program. Now, we also know that most law firms cannot calculate their ROI. If we take a look, 23% um, were unsure, 37% uh, were, uh, were like, no, my firm can't, and 6% down at the bottom were, yeah, my firm totally can. Uh, you should not fall into those categories. You should be in the agree or strongly agree component, 33% of law firms. Um, 
not every law firm will succeed, just like not every other business will succeed. So you should be knowing how to do this because it prevents costly mistakes. Remember, um, not knowing ROI is costly. Broadcast television, we saw that they spent $892 million on that in 2015. It grew 68% over the past eight years. And if you were just throwing more money at that without seeing and calculating your ROI, you just lost your money. Even if you're getting business, you don't know what good business you could have been getting. And internet advertising that we talked about for attorneys is the most expensive segment that Google has. Uh, and geography really impacts cost. When you took a look at all of those keywords, almost every one of them has a geographic term next to them, like Phoenix, Austin, Texas. Uh, and so you're going to be hearing a lot about local search marketing uh, and throwing that local search into it just bumps the price up. So knowing what you're doing and getting your return on investment is key. All right, so how do you calculate return on investment? It's a simple math formula. Your return, the money that you get, minus the money that you spent to get it, divided by the money that you spent to get it. Return minus investment, divided by investment. Now, while it seems like a very simple formula, there actually is a lot that goes into this. So what do we count as a return? Is it the money that we have built out? Is it the money that we have received? So our realization rate, what counts as an investment? Is it the money that we have spent? Do we also calculate time as a part of that investment? So there is, while this is a science, there's also an art to this science. And you need to find the return minus investment formula that you're most comfortable with. There's no one way that I can tell you to do this. Um, I can tell you that cash minus cash divided by cash is a good formula. A lot of businesses rely on it. But because attorneys also bill based on time, you need to know your hourly rate, even if you aren't charging an hourly rate. Um, like if you're charging flat fees, you need to be able to break that down and say, my hour is worth $200. And you may sometimes need to factor that in, especially some of the business development activities we're going to take a look at. But if you take this formula and are able to calculate against this, you'll have more insight than close to 70% of all law firms out there. And that's a powerful tool. It can also be used to take a look at customer lifetime value. A lot of the activities that we're going to recommend um, don't necessarily have a fixed cost, but have an investment in terms of time. Uh, and so if you take me out for a lobster roll at some point in the future, and you should, uh, and I send business your way, we can take a look and we can compare the hour of your time, the cost of two lobster rolls versus the business that I've sent you. And I can start really creating a, a lifetime value, especially considering that a lot of referrals will be repeat referrals. They'll keep sending you more and more people. And so that customer lifetime value can only grow. That's why taking somebody out for a cup of coffee, that's why spending uh, a little bit of time on a Skype date can actually be really helpful to you in developing customer lifetime value. It's one of the cheaper methods of marketing your law firm. Now, how and where are you going to apply these two formulas, the return on investment and the, uh, uh, the customer lifetime value investment? You're going to apply them in two specific formats. You're going to take a look at traditional networking, and you're going to take a look at online promotion. And why am I saying these two sources? Um, it's because research has found that still, when surveyed, 
people who hired a lawyer in 2015, the very first thing that guided them to the lawyer they chose was some type of relationship. I knew them, a family member knew them, a friend knew them, right? Now that friend may be a person on Facebook, but it's still a friend. From there, they go to web, then to offline advertising. So I'm not gonna recommend that you uh, do billboard advertising. And then lastly, they hired the same lawyer again because they've had a good experience. Now, what are people doing to nurture these two types of activities, traditional networking and online promotion? In traditional activities, you need to, one, be a referral source, right? Your best networking activity is being the best lawyer you can be. A satisfied customer is a return customer and a promoter of you. And so in terms of devoting yourself to marketing for your law firm, being the best lawyer you can be is the cheapest return on investment you can get because one, they're paying you to be a good lawyer. Um, and two, they're paying you to be a good lawyer that will lead to future business. It's amazing. It's like the ultimate return on investment. So you should totally focus on that. And if you do it right, 25 to 50% of your new clients every year will come from referrals. That's a huge percentage. Um, the next things that are recommended, and this is pulled from the Business Guide to Law by Carrie Lavelle. It's a new book. It just came out like a month ago from the ABA. He also recommends public speaking, especially in outside groups. Speaking to lawyers is great. Love speaking to you guys. Um, but it's not necessarily a business development engine for law firms. So go and speak to your clients. He also recommends getting involved in community development. And this is what he requires of his associates at his law firm. Uh, they must join a bar association. They must join one to two committees within that bar association and expect to have a leadership role within a couple years. They should all join their local chamber of commerce and at least one trade association associated with their practice area. Now, this is a lot of time. That's why we talked about um, that you may need to be able to factor in time to return on investment calculations but he has found that these are crucial networking activities that allow business to find the law firm through casual connections, through friends and family, through relationships. The last thing he does is that he really tries to build a marketing culture as a part of a law firm. So he right off the bat says, everybody should be bringing in business. I don't care if you're a junior associate, I don't care if it's your first uh, opportunity at a law firm. If you spot a good opportunity, you should always come and talk to me and you should always invite them, that potential client to come and talk to us because we don't necessarily turn down an opportunity to explore business. I mean, he doesn't say that he'll say yes to every one of those, um, but everybody should be referring people in. And that includes all the way down to his paralegals and receptionists. One of the things that he does for them is on day one is he uh, gives them business cards. So that way they can go out and say, you know what, I actually do know a lawyer who might be able to handle your question. I work for them. Here's my business card, the paralegal the secretaries. Why don't you call me and set up an appointment? And it creates this culture within his law firm of let's grow together. And these traditional networking activities have been a really big source of business for uh, Carrie. But he also recognizes that you need online promotion in this day and age. And we know that 80% of buyers of professional services will go to your website. If you do not have a website, if you have a dated website, if you have a website that hasn't changed in the last 20 years, um, you are actually losing business right now because of it. Because all of these people, even when they hear about you 
from a friend, from a past client, uh, from somebody on Facebook, the very first thing they do is they swing over to your website and they go, does this guy seem knowledgeable, credible, and trustworthy? And if you don't have a good online presence, you will be losing business. So what do you need to be doing online that will give you a good return on investment? That Alan White study that I talked about before um, actually said these are the six things that lawyers should be doing to get a return on investment for their online activities. The number one thing they said that they could do was blog. Now, they didn't say blog every day, but they did say blog on a fixed schedule. So I try to go for once a week if I can uh, and provide really credible, helpful information that your clients are seeking. So there are a lot of things that I find interesting. I'll write about them on my personal space. But if you're going to have things on your law firm website or a law firm blog, you need to focus on things that clients find helpful. So answer a question for them based on general legal content. You need to be on LinkedIn. You need to have an effective website. And that means basically you're going to be refreshing your website every one to two years. So budget for that as part of your marketing budget. You need to have some mean of e-alerts. Now that can be a newsletter. If it has actual alerts, don't send out alerts and then it's just, you know, send me some business. But a change in the law, something that needs to be acted upon, a newsletter is a great place to do this. Um, it's also a great way of using social media. If you're talking about, and this is something that I'm um, fielding right now on behalf of Clio, changes to privacy law in the European Union and how that affects data transfer across the pond, uh, law firms that are sending me information on that are getting my attention. And law firms that are just sending me like their normal happy January newsletter, I'm ignoring those. Those go straight into the trash bin. So effective e-alerts, effective social media e-alerts, great ways to go. Also take a look at online rankings and rating directories. You can't avoid these anymore. So make sure they have accurate information. And I'm going to show you how to place some information on there that can make it easier for them to become a trackable return on investment for you when we get to the tools portion. You can still run a law firm without doing this. But what the Allen Weiss survey showed us was that firms that fail to employ these six tactics aren't getting as much business as they could be. And we're seeing that as um, we get kind of a generational change right now, um, that the younger generations, Gen X on down, they're going to these six sources first and then starting to ask for relationships advice. So it's a bit of an inverse of how things were before. So these are only going to become more and more important to growing your law firm. So we've taken a look at the formulas. We've taken a look at a place to apply those formulas in traditional networking and online activities. Here's the last takeaway I want you to have on calculating ROI. One, spend all the money that you allocate in your budget. It's there for a reason. Let's give you some growth, all right? Two, factor in time as well as money. Now, that can be a bit difficult, but you should calculate out an hourly wage, right? And apply that to the work that you're doing. Time invested can be time well spent. And lastly, evaluate your ROI. So don't just run through those numbers, uh, those formulas, and be like, yeah, I think that's a good number. You're going to want to compare apples to oranges in this. So how is my traditional networking doing versus my online networking? How is my LinkedIn leads versus those rating directory leads? You want to be able to compare them. So this isn't one formula, but it's actually many instances of the formula. You're going to evaluate them against each other over time. Now, there's no 
one fixed number that is great. These are all relative to each other. So if you find you're getting a return on investment of 100% in one marketing area and 150% in another, you might spend a little bit more on 150%, but it goes all the way down, right? If one's giving me a 10% return, which is still positive, and one's giving me a 15% return, I'm gonna focus on the 15%. So these are all relative. There's not one number that is the greatest ROI, but if you are evaluating multiple channels and comparing them against each other, you're not gonna know which one's giving you more bang for your buck, and you're not gonna know where to spend your $15,000 a year. So let's take a look at tools to measure ROI. There are two tools that I really recommend. Uh, the first is traditional tracking via manual data entry. And I know that sounds boring, that sounds labor intensive, but it's probably the cheapest, quickest way to get started on this. And another tool I wanna show you is an integrated campaign tracker, and I'll use a sample from Clio. So what is traditional tracking? It's really talking to your clients, which you should be doing anyway. Um, but most of us ask a new client where they found out about the firm. But what we don't do is we don't delve into the responses. And this is something that's really tricky that a lot of online programs can do for you with online advertising that you can't get with these traditional methods out there. So you need to do this. You need to ask where did they first hear about the firm, right? So they may have said a friend. So what friend? Is it somebody that we've worked with before in the past? I'd love to send them a thank you card for referring me to them. Do you mind if I take their name? You need to delve. You need to uh, ask, did they ask anyone else about the law firm? Did they read any reviews? Did you visit the firm website? This should be a series of questions that are part of your intake process, not to badger them, but to really get a sense of what's working well for you in terms of your traditional networking activities and your online activities. It's all, the only person who can really tell you this information is a potential client. And if you don't ask the potential client, you'll never know. Even, even the tools I'm gonna to show you later, the potential client is still your best source of information. So what do you do with this information? You're gonna throw it into some simple tables. And these were inspired by the business of a Guide to Law, again, that new book by Carrie Lavelle. Uh, and so this is something that he does with his law firm, is a, a, just a table, a spreadsheet, or a notepad where he really starts tracking where all of this information comes from. And, and importantly, I wanna point out that he has totals for each month, and I added totals for each source as well. So you should be able to, at any point in time in your law practice, take a look at, say, realtor referrals and maybe spot trends. Like, you know what? People are buying homes in January. Start the new year, fresh start, or I think it's actually statistically more likely in June, so the end of the school year is when a lot of people move. But you can prepare your law firm business plan around that, right? So if they're moving in January or June, maybe you're calling your realtors in December or May. Yeah, I got my months right. Uh, and just reminding them that you really appreciate the referrals that they send. You know that they've got a busy season coming up. See if there's anything you can do to help them prepare, that kind of thing. And set yourself up for business that way just by spotting trends using a chart like this. You can also see what sources are working over time and if there's been a drop-off. So it's a really great way to say, you know what, I was getting a ton of people from account referrals in March, but it dropped off in April. Why is that? Well, is it because tax season has ended or is it because your accountant friend um, may, quite frankly, have closed shop and you need to find a new referral source? 
using a simple chart like this, and I'll be providing these slides to uh, Jared at Lomap to distribute, can really give you insight into where your marketing is being effective and tell you what should be going into calculating your rate of, ret uh, rate of return. Return on investment, sorry. You should also set up your marketing activities. You should plan these out, right? There shouldn't be something that's haphazard. I should know what are my Chamber of Commerce events for January? How many LinkedIn posts am I going to be putting up? Uh, how many e-blasts am I going to have my bandwidth set aside for, for if something changes in my practice area? What's my budget for Google Ads per month? Uh, and when am I going to be planning my website updates and more? All of these activities and more can be tracked right here. And you should be able to then plan out your bandwidth. And if you plan out your bandwidth, then you can calculate the time that you have spent, the cost of that time, and your return of investment on that time. So this is a very simple chart to help you with this. And again, you'll get a copy of this through Jared. And the last one that Carrie recommends, and this one is pulled directly, so straight cut and paste, uh, I give him full credit for this, is an individual attorney marketing checklist. And I found this really interesting because it enables, again, that kind of multi, uh, that cultural mindset of everyone should be marketing the law firm. And so he says, you know what, let's take a look at your top clients. Let's take a look at your top referral sources. And let's also dive into the work that you're doing, right? Show me the dates. Show me the possible business. Show me the follow-up. Let's keep this running record. So that way, with this manual data tracking, I don't have to go, well, I think I got business back in January from this one person. I know. I had a Chamber of Commerce event, led to this chat with a guy. He signed up in February. Done. That's, I can start calculating my time investment, and from that, my return on investment and my customer lifetime value. And this is all manual. Don't have to plug this into a calculator. There are other ways of doing this. And that's why I want to focus on a tool from Clio, Clio's Campaign Tracker. Um, there are other return on investment tools out there. I want to be clear about that. I'm just using Clio as an example because I'm very familiar with it. Um, any good return on investment tool will allow you to set up campaigns, will allow you to track leads, will allow you to analyze and optimize your business based on those leads. So in Clio, for example, we give you a dashboard that will show you different campaigns, like here's a Google AdWord campaign. Um, the amount that you've spent currently, the total uh, amount of leads that have come from that, and the total revenue that you can claim from that, thereby allowing you to calculate a return on investment automatically. Now, there are a couple ways that tools do this. For example, um, Clio allows you to generate a trackable phone number. So this is a call forwarding service. It does have an extra cost to it, but let's say I am throwing up a billboard and I want to know, is that billboard giving me money or giving me business? Am I making money off of that? Rather than putting up my standard 800 number on there, I can put a single 800 number that forwards to my normal office line. So you don't have to worry about having multiple lines. But every call to that trackable 800 number now gets logged. And I can see that I have generated leads from that, where those leads have come from, and I can then even convert those leads into a contact as a part of my database. So it's a good way of also maintaining conflict checking, which is actually a really nice feature. I was proud of, of that. Um, and then I can always see in the future that where that particular contact has come from. And so I can calculate, again, client lifetime value based on 
the campaign sources that come from. Now, once you start running multiple campaigns, there's actually great ways to do this. So if we take a look at just the sample dashboard, we can see that I can track my online advertising. And here, uh, this example, they actually sent the potential leads to a form filled in all the information, like a client intake form, but also assigned the fact that this form was linked to a Google AdWord. And so now I can see that I had people click on my ad, right? And that cost me eventually $3,000. It gave me four leads, right? Gave me one new, oh, sorry, jump to screen. Gave me one new client. And that I in turn ended up earning $12,500, sorry, I keep quitting on the screen, $12,500 in revenue. Uh, and that gives me, sorry guys, uh, 296% return on investment. So you can actually get some really interesting tracking from this, but you can apply that to all those different levels of activities, that traditional networking, that online activities. So here we see Google AdWords and Yelp ad, but below that we can see referrals and I can manually enter referrals into a campaign and track time, which is here calculated as revenue, um, and then ROI once I start billing. And I can even see my effective ROI for all of my activities from the firm. So what this tool does is it takes a lot of that manual data that we saw before and automates it for you, and there are lots of tools out there that can do this, and I highly recommend you grab one. So with that, we're getting to the end of today's presentation. Uh, we're gonna take questions next. There are a couple of resources that I thought you might be interested in um, in order to continue exploring ROI for your law firm. The first of which is a book by Jared Correa from Massachusetts Law Map. He uh, very nicely wrote this guide for Clio. It's called Money for Nothing, marketing your law firm on a $0 budget. And it takes a look at effective activities, both traditional networking and online, that required investment of time, but maybe not necessarily an investment of cash. So if you're looking to start growing your return on investment for your law firm now, this might be a really good source to start. We also have a lawyer's guide to marketing your firm online. Five different experts contributed articles to this guide on different aspects of marketing your firm, and it's a great source. And I also do think if you want to take a look at advertising via television ads and advertising via social media, that the U.S. Chamber uh, Trial Lawyer Marketing sur Survey or report that I mentioned before has some really great advice, especially when it comes to two different approaches to social media marketing. So all of these are free. All of them can be found on these links here. And you will get a copy of this so you don't have to write these down and scribble your way through them and work through them together. If we run out of time or if you have some questions that come up later, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm Joshua at Clio.com. On Twitter, it's at Joshua Linen. And, of course, you should be on LinkedIn and you should be connecting to me. And that's how to do it there. Uh, Jared, I want to thank you for letting me go over this. And now can we take questions? That was great. Thanks, Joshua. Oh, awesome. thank you. Awesome as usual. No surprise there. Um, uh -oh. we, had a, <laughs> we had a couple questions come in early, which I'll ask you, but this will give uh, folks who are still on the call an opportunity to add questions if they want to. So it was an excellent presentation. Lots of things that uh, solo and small firm attorneys don't normally think about. So... Mm -hmm got questions, send them in. That was my goal. I, we'll I wanted to. like some hard numbers that you can start
start basing calculations on and some future activities that you can do immediately after this presentation. And I think you only scared one person away, so that's a plus. So uh, let's get to these uh, two questions and hopefully more will come in. So okay. how, how do you think, how, what do you feel about Facebook advertising for businesses? Do you have any thoughts on that? We get a very generic question about that. Well, I think actually Facebook is a, a very powerful advertising medium, um, but with, and I think that's the point of, of this particular talk, um, it's not right for everyone. You do have to experiment with it, see the return on investment, and decide whether or not to, to go forward with it. So if you're going to take a look at Facebook advertising, there are a couple things you should research before you get going. Um, one, is it where your desired audience is communicating? So... Um, we do know, for example, from Pew's uh, annual research on social media, that there are certain demographics that are, are more active on Facebook. Um, women tend to be more active on Facebook. Um, women who are older tend to be the most active on Facebook. Um, but that doesn't mean those are the only audiences there. It just means take a look and see if it's a good place for your audience. Um, and I do also recommend that if you're going to advertise on Facebook, don't advertise to your personal account. Go ahead and set up a business page for your law firm and use that as kind of the target for your advertisement. And I say this for two reasons. Um, one, you really don't want to be connecting with a bunch of strangers to your personal account based on advertising. Uh, and two, you don't want a potential client coming and seeing the picture of your kid's birthday party unless that's the type of relationship you want to have with your clients. Uh, it just may not be appropriate. So it's a great way to kind of separate the two aspects of your life, you know, your personal and your professional, and guide people to the professional. Um, I do know, for example, we at um, Clio's annual conference, we had Chantel Argyle. She runs what's uh, called a low bono law firm. So they are a nonprofit law firm. They handle people that quite frankly, can't normally afford lawyers. Uh, they have a sliding scale rate. So their costs need to be very heavily managed is, is the point of that story. Um, because they aren't, you know, some fancy white shoe law firm with offices downtown. They are boots on the ground lawyers. And they have found Facebook to actually be a really good advertising source for their family law services. Because a lot of people will hop online uh, and quite frankly, vent. Uh, about their family situations. And uh, some of them will be like, you know what, I know this law firm, and uh, let me send them to you. And so they can spend 20 bucks on Facebook and have 20 clients. So Facebook can be a phenomenal medium if it's the right audience, if it's the right ad to that audience, if it's the right target to that audience. So those three things. Isn't it funny how Facebook has gone from being hip to being like the grandma's social network? I know it's totally it's totally filled with moms. Uh, it's not a bad thing. Uh, it's just interesting to see. So that same research, for example, uh, the Pew annual research. One of the interesting things was Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, is very popular with um, African Americans and Hispanics. It's like the fastest growing social media market for those demographics. And so we're starting to see people, uh, including law firms, advertise on Instagram of all places. I would never have thought of it. Um, but it's kind of this new market, and if those are some of the clients that you're aiming for, that's one place to look for it. Um, so Facebook is kind of all things to all people, um, depending on the service you use. You know. 
So let's get into another question here. Now, this is a question about a specific product line, which you may or may not be aware of at this point. And if you're not, you can speak generally. So we've got a question. Um, Avo is offering uh, the lawyer who has asked this question $100 a month rate to help market him as an immigration lawyer in a Massachusetts county. Um, okay. now, now this gets into broader implications of like using branded networks to get mm-hmm. this lawyer. How do you feel about that generally as a, as a marketing tactic or, or probably so, more, probably more business. I, I, I just want to make sure I clarify the setup. So yeah. I would charge this law firm a hundred dollars to market them as the immigration attorney mm-hmm. in a certain County oh. of the state. Okay. Um, Which in Canada, I don't know what that what that amounts to in Canada. Do you have counties in Canada? I think we've talked about. Uh, we have writings uh, and provinces. So and writing, not so much a county as it's like a political district, right? Ah, so, okay. so, uh, so, so they are they are as important as counties uh, uh, down there. Now so, we have okay. the analogy. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So. This could be really good. I actually know people at Avo. Uh, they are interesting people, and, and they're very committed to the idea of affordable legal services. So I, I don't want to just come across that I'm bad mouthing Avo, um, but I have to wonder how many attorneys in that county they're charging 100 bucks uh, to promote as an immigration. So you'd want to explore what are you getting for your hundred dollars, and then you would want to track. You know, is that $100 actually bringing me business or am I throwing $100 away? So uh, I think it's worth an experiment. Uh, I think if it's in your, uh, within your set aside, your allocated marketing budget, I'd say go for it. But don't, don't just set it and forget it. Um, figure out how Avo is going to be referring you leads and create a tracking method around that, whether it's like that manual tracking that I talked about before, or some type of automated tracking. Um, see if Owl even gives you reports to see if that's $100 well spent. Now, I do know lots of lawyers who are part of branded networks, and they are being very successful in building a book of business based on that. Um, I know lawyers who work with LegalZoom. I know lawyers who work with Avo. I know lawyers who work with um, smaller groups of branded lawyers that send them business. Um, the one thing that I think differentiates a lot of the other groups that I talked about they're not being charged to be part of this group. Um, they're, they may be like doing like a share, right, uh, of fees. There may be like a referral fee based on your state's ethical requirements, but they're not paying for it. So I would aim for the free branded networks. Well, free. Um, the ones that charge you afterwards rather than the ones that charge you yeah. first yeah. If, uh, if you have the option. <laughs> yeah. uh, but again, it's... I don't want to say a hundred bucks is a small amount of money, but if you can afford it, that's, that seems like an investment that's worth experimenting with. And I'd give it a try. Yeah, that's a good point. Nice Ron Popeil reference, by the way. I just want to... Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So uh, I forget it. Um, I'm not totally divorced from American culture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got to have one of those uh, hamburgers that, are, uh, that have the donuts as the buns. When, once you go that route, you know you're like completely Americanized. Um, I actually have one last week, and I am an American. I just live in. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. I was down in Austin, Texas, uh, not looking for rehab, and uh, and went to a place uh, that served burgers on donuts. It was delicious. As a Missouri guy, you're probably uh, you're probably a barbecue aficionado as well. Am I right? 
I am. And mm. so I, I did hit a couple barbecue spots and, uh, I, I think like at least one of the pit masters was a little creeped out by my like lingering and looking <laughs> at how he was They should so, be for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got no more questions coming in, Joshua. So let me say, thank you for coming right. in. This was great. No problem. And I'll be shooting you a PDF of these slides and please feel free to distribute them to whomever. Um, and I, in the slides, I also include links to the articles that I've cited and links to further resources for you guys. So I hope this is helpful to your audience. And I want to thank you again for having me. Thanks, Joshua. So uh, for everybody out there, you can check out uh, more about Joshua through these contacts he's given you and take a look at Clio, which is an excellent practice management product. Um, finally, let me wrap this up by saying that this is all going to be packaged into a podcast, which is available on Legal Talk Network's podcast, which is called Appropriately Enough Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. That's broadcast through several channels, but if you want to watch this again, that's the way to do it. Or if you have friends, colleagues who are interested in seeing this presentation but weren't able to make it, uh, send them to the podcast, which should be released within two to three weeks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Joshua. Uh, enjoy your weekend. You too. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join us for the next episode covering legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.